I've noticed since middle school that I've been reduced to my vocal cords. Anything that had to do with the voice or your mouth was all that mattered. It was the only way for you to not disappear in a space that can silence your soul and make you go missing. What I mean is that if you don't want to experience the dread of life alone, you might as well have someone to experience it with. But what space demands of you is that you sacrifice your soul to it. As for me, my speech skizzes. I cannot enunciate well nor complete my thoughts out loud, but this isn't the biggest of my problems because a speech therapist sure can mitigate the problem. The problem is that I'm shy. No, that's a lie. The problem is that everyone uses the word introvert. Shyness is a much more interesting term. It's a shame that it's a word nobody wants to be associated with. Introversion has been medicalized in the sense that there's a cure for it. Not necessarily a cure, but most people who are not introverts do classify themselves as introverts, for example, ambiverts. Introversion has been hijacked ever since Carl Jung ruined psychology for the rest of us. And now there's a spectrum, supposedly. This means that it didn't matter that I joined some nerd group at school, you know, that obscure group of of weirdos and and outcasts who would join because everyone rejected them, you know, the rejects. That would be a much healthier and a much better prospect than just being alone and being embarrassed for being alone all the time. This had the effect of putting me hyper-aware. So the result was that I looked well and normal, just for the appearance of it, just to let people know that I was a normal person, worthy of integrating myself into the group. I have sophisticated vocal cords, maybe even a little too sophisticated. That is, I could transfer the flow of words from my mind out of my mouth, push air from my lungs into a windpipe with a tongue attached to it and wiggle in a weird shape and contours. So the product or what comes out are sound waves vibrating through the air and it's picked up by someone else and used to interpret it as thoughts that I had in my head moments ago into their heads. Oh, and if you think I have Asperger's syndrome or that I'm in the spectrum, you know, the autism spectrum disorder, well, I will dedicate a separate podcast for that. But even in a group like that reject group, a group where nerd people can find a community. Even that wasn't possible for me because my main problem wasn't addressed. I'm still missing. How am I supposed to function in a group where I'm missing? Well, I am claimed as missing, even if that group does integrate me for being a social failure. What I noticed that 
students who had phones were seen as popular. Back in those days, the early 2000s, having a flip phone signaled that you were socially adept to become part of a group because it signaled that you were able to get somebody's phone number in order to text them. And as a result, putting your head down and looking at your phone as if you were texting already put you in a higher level in the hierarchy. You already know what I'm going to say next and you already know how it went. So yeah, I did get myself a phone and I did pretend to use it. And yes, I was still missing. I kind of already knew that what was going to happen. Me as a faker. I mean, that wasn't new. You might say, well, that's because you're trying to start from the middle. All you need is to look for a new group of friends. Yeah. And so they don't know how you were before, but you know, you can reset. You can start again, a new me. You have no idea how often I have this thought on the daily. Even up till today, this thought has become an intuition by now. Somehow, my missing status, or my status as missing, claims me at the end of the day. It ends up revealing itself. Even if I try to go all in, and an infinite regression of friends of friends ends up revealing my status to them. And remember my status, it's missing. For example, people would say, well, just look for new friends. But of course, some of those friends are connected to those friends. And we'll notice that I, um, I will notice the role I had from just before. Well, just look for newer friends than that. But those friends are still connected to those friends that I had before. Well, just look for new, newer friends to those new friends you had before. And it goes on and on and on and on. But I'm trying to show you something. I'm trying to show you that it's something more. It's, it's more like a role that I fall into. But it's not just any role because people will associate role with psychology. Like you fall into a behavior and this implies that you are still visible to the groups, just you're, be, you're playing a role. But how can you play a role with you still missing? What this means is that the world external of one's vocal cords doesn't exist. You, you could have all your organs intact. And it wouldn't matter if your vocal cords are missing. Something sinister is going on. Something is connected to everything and it ends up screwing everything else. But I do feel like I've earned some superpowers. I've learned that success is just as much is as being seen as non-missing, just as traditional success required some level of vanishing. For all the criticisms of capitalism there are, capitalism does have one major benefit. 
It allows those who are missing or those who are claimed as missing to achieve presence within absence. And this idea of presence in absence is a major idea that I want to extrapolate. That is, they could be missing and yet still make an impact within capitalistic space. I think of businesses. Think of normal, regular, everyday folks who climbed the ranks and made something of themselves. In fact, this is the exact theology that Christianity had successfully preached to Western civilization. To be humble and not boast about your accomplishments, which to me is great, but sounds terrifying at the same time. Who would want to go missing? Something has to deter that terrifying thought so much that you would sacrifice your presence in order to be claimed missing. The new capitalism will fail because of this exact thing. It will extinguish what has made it successful. Today's capitalism is marked with popularity, just like I've experienced in my middle and high school. To reveal oneself as beneficiary of capitalism is siphoning in all the work that was necessary to build it to what we have today. It took hundreds and hundreds of generations to work and work and work and even more work their entire life for the promise that future generations, not them, but future generations will inherit a promised land. Could you imagine in just one generation, capitalism will succumb to a few years of pure exhaustion and will have to refill the containers, so to say. In order to rescue capitalism, there must be a generation or two that all in unison have to agree to work and not pick up the fruits of your work. I mean, this is what hundreds of generations have done before. The reason to the reason it works is because pre during pre-capitalism time it was a job for previous generations to provide this type of work for future generations which is us we are the beneficiaries of that meaning that we are able to work and benefit from the fruits of our own labors previous generations did not have this benefit the job of previous generations was to work for us but it was meant to set up work so that we can benefit from the work now we might have crossed the threshold or dare i say we have long crossed it to work for a living is a luxury that only a few people have but we might have to take up a second work, a new kind of work, a work that is dedicated for future generations. Yes, we might have gone backwards. Not only that, we have the temptations with us to pick the fruits of our labors that isn't meant for us. If we do this, I caution you, then we will keep resetting the wheel. The flywheel will keep resetting to zero. 
which means that it is probable that previous generations like the boomers had to deal with this kind of thing it probably was them that had to um, work and not pick up the fruits of our labors and now we have to deal with the consequences now we live in today's predicament you know the situation that we are right now inequality the rise of socialism we resent our fathers for bringing us in the wrong generation for being born in the wrong family could you imagine that being born in the wrong generation or being born with the wrong personality or being born with the wrong this and that where did this disgusting and vile thought ever come from but i believe that the temptation will be too great we will work for ourselves the sacrifice we need to do is to give up our most cherished fantasy you know what it is yeah you i'm talking to you listener especially if you're male i know what you want i, I am a man i know your wildest fantasy that you play over and over again in your head yes that fantasy is what you must give up and don't tell me a family a home a retirement good work good pay good job this and that and that i know all of that is included yes that is the higher of the desires than just a sports car a trophy wife many sexual adventures i know i know all of that is included and you female listener you know that secure home and that perfect wedding oh and don't forget the fun you want to have before that yes the life as a bachelorette which to be honest you've probably had a couple of encounters here and then all of that we all as a collective probably have to give up both male and female poor and rich civilized and uncivilized the sacrifice we have to make is for that vital life that life force to again accumulate and inject that into being but in future generations otherwise our children will resent us in the same manner we resented our parents we cannot pass this resentment that we've inherited to our children and you know by all means have children i'm not an antinatalist i'm not a nihilist but more than likely the damage is so deep that our children likewise will suffer the sacrifices we've suffered that is sacrificing our dreams that is if we do follow through with the promise but ultimately i think we're kind of doomed because doing an entire project like this that involves multiple generations to refill the container so to say requires an in- immense amount of trust and religion was the only thing that bridged that trust to all peoples across multiple generations because remember we don't inherit our memories 
our minds are orphans. But now that we're in this post-God-is-dead, that declaration from Nietzsche that foresaw all of this, we will lose what it means to be human. To technology. The new AI will inherit that. And the atomization will begin. Hi, my name is Giovanni. And this is the introduction to my podcast. This section is called From Incel to Failed POA to Base Build. And I'm doing this because I'm in quarantine. Well, I'm actually practicing social distancing right now. And my main focus here is to make my entire autobiography. But I want to tell it in the story that will make an impact. It will be entirely uncensored, except for a couple of things, obviously. I don't want to give out personal information. But I will go full honesty, which you shouldn't. It is interesting how social isolation in the United States is playing out. Especially with my predicament, which you've probably already heard from the introduction. So, without further ado, I will begin. Today, we know the disastrous effect of what a child goes through. When he forgoes all friendships for the sake of good grades and preparing for the adult world that his parents demand of him. Because of it we are more aware of helicopter parenting or refrigerator mothers. Protecting children's childhoods has now entered into a cultural critical point. But in the 90s, when I was born, no one had a clue what the digital revolution would do to this just in a matter of years. Every school year, they made it about grades. And everyone remembers their childhood because it was the time they had no idea about the future and didn't care for it. When people look back, when they look back in their, through their lives, they always say that they want to be a child again. Well, as for me, my childhood had an average startup with a few modifications that I will detail here. My parents did pressure me to get good grades as any parent would. I myself um, come, come from the lost boys generation. Isolation is a normal part of my life because of the circumstances that I will lay out for you through the entire series of this podcast. Looking at the situation where we are right now with the, with the social distancing, it is not humbling to reveal my roots to you. I'm not boasting in any manner. I'm not saying that I am better for it. What I will say is that my routines haven't changed that much during the quarantine. I don't want this for anybody. Those that practice being alone on a routine basis are far and few between. For today's culture of being anti 
school and anti-higher education. I am not at all surprised at the major backlash that this discipline-centric school system has brought countless havocs to our minds and well-being. Today's discipline, quote-unquote discipline, requires a degree of authentic autonomy and freedom. Businesses thrive on the authentic experience that they advertised for us. Despite all the push to make work as shitty as possible, more on the Despotic Entrepreneur and Future podcast. We've been so conditioned to put our heads down, so conditioned to not fall behind. And if you do, it's all your fault. So you must get yourself out there. You must get up. I've had to sacrifice quite a lot of things. Being a child, learning an instrument, learning sports. I've had to be home doing schoolwork instead of going out with my friends. I went to summer school, after school programs, tutors. I've had extra homework assignments. Even after I finished my regular homework assignments, I, being semi-autistic, have been alone for most of my life. But I thrive in it, not to the extent that most people think of when they see a forever alone Redditor shitposting on Twitter about how feminist movements messed up his life and the lives of hardworking men. This will be not that. Like I've said before, I will outline major movements in my life from three major sta- stages. From incel, you know, before there was a thing called incel, to a POA, to being base-pilled. So, to kind of end this podcast, this episode, I want to talk about a phrase you've probably heard about a thousand times. We're all connected more than ever, but we still feel more distant than ever. So, how do we connect as authentically as possible, but being as safe as possible, right? And... You know, this thing about being connected and all of that, it just does not make sense to me, right? And I'll talk about this in the autism section um, episode of the podcast, but I'll say this. What, what is interesting right now is that, you know, I'm trying to connect with people right now. At the same time, the world is social distancing. At You know, it's... It's this porcupine problem, right? The more you try to get close, the more you have to stay at a distance. And the method of communication is through digital means. For me, being the perfectionistic Puritan that I am, I would say that it's quite impossible to balance the two lines. And the best people are those who manage to balance between those two lines. In the face of it, it was impossible before this whole ordeal came down at us. I've struggled being authentic for many different aspects and points or directions. From a masculinity aspect to a power dynamic aspect to a classist aspect. 
but just to make this simple I will start with the very beginnings of my incel problems and I will delineate how this came about this has been the first episode and introduction to my podcast and I'd hope you've enjoyed it as much as I've enjoyed recording this and I'll see you in the next podcast <laughs>